All right, welcome to this edition of the NIL Report. Picking up, Michael, on a theme we've talked about before. Today, we're really going to cover kind of the, the more rubber meets the road business aspect of doing NIL deals and maybe, you know, not even so much about the sensational big time front page uh, kind of news stories that come with NIL these days, but really, you know, local businesses, how do you how do you utilize the opportunity really from a business standpoint? How do you measure it? How do you get ROI out of it? How do you make it make sense? Those are the kinds of things we're picking up on today. We've got an interesting guest on who's going to help us break that all down. Michael, I'll turn it to you and uh, to tee up our guest and subject matter today. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, that in our, in our first couple of episodes, I mean, we talked to um, business owners in, in East Lansing uh, and in Ann Arbor, and, and both of them, you know, very much discussed return on investment, but I think also that they were invested in uh, hey, I want to do this for Michigan State athletes. I want to do yep. this for University of Michigan yep. athletes. Yep. Like they saw greater value than just the monetary return. Uh, they wanted, um, you know, kind of help Michigan State women's basketball. In the in the case of MSU Credit Union, uh, whether it's recruiting future athletes or just rewarding the athletes that are currently on the team. Similar, Scott Hurth, who has been incredible with us and throughout this entire process. I mean, he understands. Like, look, like I, I, as the owner of the M Den the biggest apparel company associated with the University of Michigan, like it behooves me to, to sign contracts with a lot of these name, image, and likeness athletes because then that'll funnel more athletes my way. That'll funnel more opportunities for Michigan football, for Michigan basketball. He needs to see Michigan football and basketball be successful overall because that's going to help his business. And that's a unique case because that's really on brand for him. I mean, you know, that is his business, right? Yep. College yep. athletics. Right, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, he, is, he does not shy away from that. He says, look, if Michigan goes 12 and 0 or is this this past season for them 12 and 2 and won a Big 10 title and beat sure. Ohio State that's way better for him of course. than if they go 8 and 4 because more people are buying merchandise when they're successful so he has an incentive to hey if I can sign name image and likeness athletes that are going to then Michigan can then use it on the recruiting trail to bring in more athletes that's a huge win win for him so it's a yeah. little bit different than what we're going to talk about today which is a little bit more like a straight up business owner yep. who wanted to get into name image and likeness and yep. actually uh, Brett Borak, the owner of multiple businesses, and we'll discuss those in a second. I mean, I counseled him. I, I mean, I went back and forth with him last summer about what this could look like, uh, and he wanted to get into this space, but he wanted to get into this space. You know, he's a he's a big Michigan football fan, but he didn't do it because he's like, hey, I want to help Michigan football pick up the next 15 recruits. He did it from a a, a perspective of, I want to I want to get something out of this for my business. And so that is Brett Borak, the owner of multiple Orange Theory Fitness Studios, uh, in the Ann Arbor, also in East Lansing, uh, and in a couple other places throughout uh, the state of Michigan. Uh, also owns a couple of other businesses, including Reach Body Works, Smash My Trash, uh, and something else that is coming to, uh, coming to I think, Michigan here fairly soon. So, Brett, welcome to uh, the NIL Report. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. So, Brett, kind of like take us back, take Jeff and I back to the summer uh, and, and you and I, I mean, we had a conversation, I think it was probably like maybe mid July. And I said like, Hey, are you going to get into this space at all? And I mean, you're a huge sports fan. And I think you kind of just thought like, this does make sense for my businesses. Yeah, no, there, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, when we, when we spoke about this originally, Michael, I think there was, there was so much coming down the pike and, and we were trying to figure out what this entire NIL, you know, landscape was going to look like, you know, what is this? How is it going to be promoted? What are these athletes going to be getting into? What type of opportunities are they evaluating? Who's looking at these contracts aside from, you know, say the University of Michigan in, in how they look at it versus is an agent picking them up and trying to get them deals? And so 
you know, we looked at this from a variety of angles. And I think really the passion behind it was, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, I'm a big fan, but how can we get involved locally and figure out how they can help us? And we, we can obviously help them. And I think you had mentioned it before, even with the MDEN, how can we attract the other players to, um, you know, really get eyeballs on our business as well, if, if all goes well. So we took a look at this from a variety of standpoints and, and different viewpoints. And I think the biggest thing we learned is there was so much back and forth and so much gray area to begin with in terms of what do these contracts look like? Where do you even start on, on how much to pay these guys or these female athletes? right? Like that was the biggest thing that we didn't really know where to start. And I think when we talked originally, it was like, Hey, let's identify who we might want to go after. Who's a good fit for our brand, who, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a fit for them in, um, you know, in what they like to do outside of what they're playing, but maybe it's not. And so we took a look at all those things. And I think we've learned a lot since. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Brett and, and Jeff, I'd love to get your thoughts on this a little bit of like market value. How do you establish, I mean, you've been running businesses, for, for 30 years now, how do you establish market value when something is brand new? Yeah. You know what, Michael, I want to go to that before I, and I'd like to ask Brett this too. And, 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 and certainly we want to cover the, you know, how do you pay? What's market value? You know, what are you paying for all those kinds? How do you measure success? But before we get to that, what is the essence of what you're expecting from these athletes? You know, I think it all starts with, I'm going to, you know, cut a deal. What are they going to do for me? You know, what is, what do I expect from them? What am I going to require in this contract? So just your thinking as a business person, Brett, you know, either broadly or even specifically, if you want to get into it, what are you hoping to get from a deal like this? You know, it's basically influencer marketing, break it down for us. Tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, no, fantastic question. I appreciate it. I think that was part of the, part of the issue when we got into this was like, what do we expect or how much time do they have to dedicate to this? And what is going to give us the best, as you mentioned, ROI, or bang for our buck. And, and so I think the biggest thing that we learned was that the time is the, the biggest challenge for these student athletes in terms of where can they actually go to the physical space? Can they go to the building? How many pictures can they take? How many, you know, different shirts can they wear? How many different meetings can we actually get them to, to display our business? And I, and I think that was the one thing that when we looked at this entire, you know, again, this entire landscape was how do we figure out what, what is reasonable for them and, and do it efficiently. So just to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty and some of the details was, you know, how can we look at social media as our number one option? You had mentioned influencer marketing. So, you know, is a, I don't know, I'll just throw out for dollars and cents purposes, a $250 a month deal for, for an NIL deal. What does that entail versus another threshold of $500 or $1,000 or $2,000? And I think those, those stipulations change. But for instance, if you, do, if you have a student athlete that you want to do one social media post, uh, you want to do one promotional social media post offering discounts to followers, a video testimonial, an Instagram story a month, et cetera, I think the biggest thing that we learned from a bank for, for, for our bank for buck and then having the ability to, you know, come, at, come with it and, and actually you know, get on social media and it doesn't take them a ton of time, but it creates a, a ton of impact was, was the social media aspect of this. And they keep, you look at the followers, you look at Instagram, you look at Facebook, you look at TikTok, all these different platforms and how many followers they have, how many of them are quality followers, how many of them are actually in our local market, right? If you're doing right. this for a much bigger right. brand, 
that's a whole different world. So that those are just some of the things that we, we were kind of throwing around and we've had to deviate a little bit. We've had to do a little bit of chasing in terms of, Hey, is this really a reasonable amount of time that, that we're expecting from them? Um, all of those things have come into play, you know, really as of recent. Yeah, I think that's right. And then you, you break down, you look at your conversion funnel, you know, do we want them to create awareness leading to leads at the top of the funnel, you know, that you can then monetize ultimately as you move them down the funnel toward them uh, making a purchase ultimately as a customer? Is this brand affinity? You know, what is this? And then, and then you have a way to measure right. it. You have a way to, you know, then get to your point, Michael, uh, you know, what's the market value of something like this uh, as well? Yeah, but I think that's good. Michael, I think you were going to jump in. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you. You know, it's interesting that, you know, because Brett mentioned like the the social media following, because I think there is a way. I mean, Instagram does it. Twitter does it. I believe TikTok does it where they essentially tell you like what each follower is worth. Right. And so like there's some level of like, well, that's a, uh, you know, for every thousand it's worth me, you know, maybe like 20 bucks or something like that. But the problem, and I think what Brett just brought up is like how many of those people are local that are following you on Instagram? Right. How many right. of those are real people? They're not just bots, right? right? Quality and, leads as opposed to just a, a lead. And, yeah. when, and and Brett and I have a long relationship dating back, and he used to be a sponsor of you know of of my radio show, and he loved coming on, and uh, we would talk Michigan football and Buffalo Bills and all kinds of things. <laughs> but when when I would make posts on social media, and now I was a I was a uh, a, a customer. Like I, I went to orange theory. I, I, I mm-hmm. took part of it. I was like a, I wasn't just selling you something that I heard that, you know, reading off a script, like I could give you a real life experience of what it was like to be an orange theory customer and, and client and, and what I really liked about it. Um, and I would post these things on social media, but like we would look at social media and say like, well, you know, out of my, out of the 5,000 people that saw this tweet, uh, you know, only, um, you know, less than 5% of them live in Southeast Michigan. Uh, and out of that, like who is, who is walking through the door of his, of his concept. And so I think those are some of the challenges that, that people find and, and business owners find. And so that leads a little bit to us like, okay, if you're aware of all those things, and I don't know the, how many business owners, I mean, if all of them are aware of those type of things, but if you are, then how do you determine, how do you set that market value? Like, what do I need to pay this athlete? Or what is the, what should I be paying this athlete? Because I know how this is all going to work. Yeah, Michael, I'll just jump in real quick on that. You may, you bring up a really, really good point, and it's something you and I have, have talked about in the past. But we're also, you know, I mentioned early on that we want to make this mutually beneficial. We don't want any student athlete just promoting our brand, knowing nothing about it, not necessarily even, you know, knowing what we do or how the process works or how we even operate operationally. Um, the biggest thing is when we sign a student athlete or are looking to sign a student athlete to an NIL deal, we want them to be an advocate. We want them to understand what we do and actually be passionate about it. It's not necessarily a fit for every student athlete just because, hey, we're a local business and they want to make money. We want them to actually care about what they're doing because we've obviously seen an uptick in productivity when it comes to, hey, I'm actually passionate about Orange Theory. I love the workouts. I love the vibe. I love everything we're doing. That allows them to to have a little bit more fun doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does indeed. And so, Brett, tell us where you are. Have you negotiated any of these deals or closed any of these deals yet? Or where are you in your process of, uh, you know, thinking of utilizing the opportunity? Yes. So we, we have a couple, um, we do have a couple closed deals um, and are always kind of looking at, you know, maybe what's next or what's a good fit. I, you know, just to be transparent, you know, there's, there's a lot, I had mentioned, you know, even agents uh, are calling pretty frequently um, for, for both male and female athletes, just trying to get them deals. And, you know, what I have, I've heard out there is, you know, when I ask like, 
hey, who do you have and what are they looking for and how involved do they want to be, et cetera. There's, you mentioned the market value. It's kind of throwing something at a wall and saying, I don't know if this is going to work. Maybe it works for the athlete. Maybe it doesn't. And you kind of negotiate from there. Um, but I, I think the, the thing that we looked at was, is this person the right fit for the brand? Do they, again, do they want to be part of what we do? And even if, they, you know, I, I think a lot of, and, and Michael, we had just talked about this in, in um, you know, in your class. I think when you look at the, the athlete in entirety, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're helping teach them things that they're not going to be a professional athlete. Maybe they want to link up and do something in their career that has aspects of what we're doing. And so those are the things that we like to do. And honestly, that's part of the passion behind this is helping these student athletes grow personally, professionally, and financially. Those are the things that we really like to do. And, and I think they're starting to learn some of these things. And if we can continue to kind of pinpoint what the market entails, also with having a little bit of fun, they make a little bit of money or a lot of money or whatnot. Obviously, we're a small business, so we don't have a ton of money to allocate to that. But we also want to make sure they're good fit. So we're constantly evaluating every opportunity. Yeah, and I think the thing that's really interesting about that, uh, Jeff and Brett, is, is, is when Brett spoke to my class uh, at the University of Michigan, uh, you know, number uh, 30, 40% of the class are student athletes. And I, and I think what he presented a little bit was like, this was almost quasi an internship, um, mm -hmm. right? If you treated it that way, and because, you know, I, I think, uh, Brett, you can attest this. I think we had about 20 student athletes raise their hand when I asked them who were student athletes. And then I said, how many are going to go pro? Uh, and a, uh, a, a Michigan basketball player raised his hand and a Michigan golfer, golfer. raised, raised <laughs> yeah. his hand. Yep. And those were the only two. Everybody else was, you know, softball and there's wrestling and there was a, a, a hockey player and there was, uh, you know, lacrosse yep. and, and all these different things. And they all understood, like, I'm not going pro in this. Right. And so um, to them, the value of the, the four years or five years at the University of Michigan is the education. It's not. Um, Jeff, you've, you, we've talked about this before, I think with Hunter Dickinson on the first episode was like, is there a, are they preparing you for the NBA right. or right? Like, are right. they, is there a program in place type of thing? Right. And so for most of these student athletes, it is about um, preparing you for what's after sports. And I think what Brett was offering them was an opportunity to learn a business, to learn like accounting, learn marketing, learn promotions, learn, you know, being an entrepreneur, all these different things that I found like tremendous value in. I think the problem what happened with NIL really early on is, uh, and Jeff, you and I have talked about it. We've talked about it with, you know, Kerry Hoyt from Ohio state is like, there was such a rush immediately to like, I had to have a deal. I need to have mm -hmm. a deal. Who's giving me this money. Who's giving me that money. And for 90% of student athletes out there, it's really not about a big dollar amount. Um, for the rest of them, maybe it is. And that's kind of led to some of the manipulation and some of the abuse of, of power of what this name image and likeness has become so far. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, first of all, what, what I love about this is that you can really hand pick your athlete, tune it to your target demographic, who you're trying to attract, tune it to your channels, make sure all those things align really nicely. And you can get a lot of positive impact out of an athlete that may not be the star quarterback on the football team, but still has real, you know, brand value relative to whatever it is that you sell if you utilize the opportunity and the athlete's uh, brand power uh, properly in this context. And, and the other cool thing about it is these athletes, you know, you talk about $250 here, $500 there, 
It helps pay the, you know, the, the, whatever did their bills along the way as they're getting their education. And it's meaningful at that level to a lot of these athletes, you know? And so again, we're going to see the headlines with the big million dollar deals and all the rest of it. And the utilization of this as it relates to recruiting and transfer portal and all the rest, but on the average, the average rubber meets the road kind of deal. Uh, these are the kinds of deals, the ones that Brett's talking about that are going to be made and be most valuable and have the most, you know, parity across the board in college athletics. 100%. Yeah. And Brett, I mean, you know, I, I was going to joke, like if someone would have given you and I $500 a month and when oh. we were in college, right. I mean, it's wow. big money, big money, it's big money, right? It is. And it, it right. helps, it helps them. And, and you mentioned it too. I mean, you know, these aren't this, this, this is the fun aspect of it. And you mentioned like some of these, I, I guess I'll call them top tier athletes, even the, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th best player on the team can make a huge impact for a small business if they're really into it and they treat it like a business, they treat it like a job. They have the ability to help grow their brand. And that's what's so fun about this aspect of marketing and using the name image and likeness is because somebody who might not be the star player on the team has the ability to build their own brand. That is what is so cool about this. That is cool. And to move the needle accordingly. Let me ask you this. Can we talk about, you mentioned you have a couple of deals in place. You know, we get to the point of, you know, how do you measure success? What does success look like? What does it mean? How do you measure it? What are the expectations? Are we aligned, you know, me, the business person, and you, the athlete, in our, in our uh, expectations here? Can you tell us a little bit about how these are performed, what seems to be working, what's not working? Uh, can, you, can you give us some backstory on that? Yeah, I, I think, the, you know, the biggest thing, and like I said, there's, just, there's a couple out there. There's, we're evaluating, you know, if other ones are good fits. There's always kind of conversations happening, right? And I think the way we've looked at the ROI side of this is, I guess a short answer is still evaluating, right? And, sure, and of course, just because this is so new, right. um, you know, we're constantly tweaking, you know, uh, looking at these agreements and saying, oh, well, maybe they don't want to do this, but maybe this would be a good fit. Maybe they would want to do an Instagram post versus coming to a, you know, coming to a signing or coming to a class or whatever in person. Um, things like that are, are always kind of um, in flux. Now, when we look at the ROI side of it, we're not expecting any type of crazy returns on, you know, in terms of dollars necessarily, but how many more eyeballs get on the brand? How much more exposure does it bring to the community? I was, you know, looking at an Instagram post from another brand that has an ambassador or an NIL deal. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't realize that they were linked up or I wonder what they're doing now, or they have a new arm of their business. I didn't know about. Those are the things that we really try to look at right now in, in trying to evaluate how these are going to work out. You know, we take a look at, okay, what's our marketing spend, or maybe we can allocate dollars from something else and give them, you know, give an NIL deal and kind of shift things around for a couple months. And these deals, you know, I'm not sure how everybody structures them. Again, it's kind of all over the board, but I would imagine some of them are signing season deals. Some of them are signing month to month deals. Some of them are signing one-time deals, right? You come in and come into the business, take a few pictures, here's your money, see you later. Or there's some trade involved. Um, so there's all this floating around. And again, there's so much, I don't want to call it gray area because, um, but it, it kind of feels that way because there's no, there's not a lot of structure to it. And again, you're just kind of throwing something at a wall and seeing if it sticks. In 12 months from now or two years from now, things I think will be a lot more formalized. I hope that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I, and I think what's interesting about that and, and, and Brett mentioned like just how, uh, I don't want to say informal, but like just how flexible it is, is, I mean, you know, when we talked to April Clovis from uh, Michigan state credit union, Jeff, I mean, we were essentially saying like, well, 
you know, how do you get the return on investment? She said, well, this isn't a one-year deal. Like this is a, this is a, it'll end after basketball season. Right. And right. so it was a seasonal type of, of, mm-hmm. of opportunity for them. And Brett mentioned, you know, do I do it for three months? Do I do it for six months? Um, you know, do I do it for a year? You know, what makes the most amount of sense? I mean, I actually think that the, all the businesses hold all the leverage, if I'm being honest, because, you know, most of the student athletes don't really know, right? Like if, if a student athlete came to Brett and said, Hey, Brett, I'd really like to do something for orange theory. Brett says, okay, I'll, I'll give you this amount of money for three months. Like how, how many student athletes would say like, well, I'd like this amount of money for six months, mm-hmm. right? Like they, I yeah. mean, the ones that have <clears throat> official representation yeah. know how to negotiate those, but it's, it, and which is also a little bit Jeff of why I don't want to say this is dangerous, yep. but it was like as an advocate, as a teacher, as someone who looks out for a student athlete, like, there's a huge opportunity to be taken advantage of by the student athletes. Now, someone like Brett is an upstanding ethical, you know, guy. He's like one of my really good friends, and he would never do that. But there's probably a lot of business owners out there that would. Well, of course, businesses. You know, I mean, we know that that's true in the business world. Period. You talk about getting an education. It's all part of it. I mean, you you either have to have good representation, or you need to equip yourself to be able to go into the into the game and, and negotiate your way through it properly. Um, you know, I think as time goes on you know, there will be benchmarks. There will be kind of a settling out of, of, of all of the wild West nature to all of this. And there'll be some norms established and best practices and so on that people can look to and, and, and really benchmark, <clears throat> excuse me, against. And I, and I think uh, that that will kind of clean itself up a little bit as time goes on. Uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, Brett. Are your, are your athletes in your deals right now? Or are they, you know, are they pleased with a deal? What are you hearing from them? What? <laughs> It's a good question, and, and I'll, I'll get to that in, in one second, but I think when, when you talk about the, uh, you know, kind of the mutual aspect of this and, and looking at, um, you know, how these NIL deals are, are put in place, um, you know, we, we're trying to make sure we can help these athletes that we're bringing on evaluate even potentially other opportunities, because you're exactly right. Some of them aren't getting the right advice or they don't have any advice or they're asking the wrong people who might not know. And they're like, Hey, just take it to take it to get the money. And maybe it's not the right fit for them. You know? So those are the things that, you know, I, I try to pride myself on our team tries to pride ourselves on is taking a look at these, at these student athletes and saying, Hey, how can we help you? Not just, you know, having you promote our business is how can we help you again, personally, professionally, and financially, as you continue on with your, you know, obviously as a student, as an athlete, and then in your professional career. Um, you know, so that, that's kind of, you know, how we've, how we've looked at it. That's like a passion of mine. That's a passion of our team and our brand. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how we would evaluate everything. Now, when we get some feedback from, you know, some of the athletes that we're working with, you know, again, not many of them still evaluating opportunities, but looking at some of the deals that we do have, um, the thing that I, I think is tough is they, these student athletes are really busy. They are very, very busy. Even if you're not playing, you know, Michael, you talk about the revenue generating sport. Um, they're doing something else or they're track and field or, you know, they're wrestling, whatever. They still have practice. They have school. They want to have a personal life. They have friends and family, all those things. And I think they're finding out that it's tougher to treat this as a, I don't want to call it a, a job, but they really have to figure out their schedule and prioritize their schedule to make time for it. And, and we've gone back and forth with, um, you know, making sure even if they're in season, it's harder to get them to do things right They're they're, they're doing their whole world is that season. So 
Um, it, we try to contractually make it flexible. And obviously we're, we're a business that flexes very easily in terms of, you know, what we expect and what we want from them and don't want it to be too much and all that. But um, I would say those are just some of, just some of the things that I, I think are challenging for the student athlete that maybe they didn't think about originally. Brett, uh, you know, really interesting what you said there too, about just fitting things in and understanding that. Uh, you know, one of my students has missed a couple of classes because she had COVID. Uh, and so she sent me an, a, a message and was like, hey, you know, Professor Spath, can, can I make this up? Can I, what can I do? And I said, why don't we do an office hour? I can try to catch up as fast as possible in 30 minutes. And so we went back and forth over <laughs> five or six emails trying to find time in her day to do a 30-minute wow. office hour. Yeah. She wrote me and said, I have practice every day from 2 to 6. Uh, and then on one day, which was, which was a Friday was from four to seven Saturday was from 10 to two. Um, she just, and I, and I actually wrote her back and I said, you know, are you a student athlete or are you an athlete that, you know, when you can attend class, <laughs> right? Right? That's and, right. And I mean, like, and this was a, this was an Olympic sport. This is a non-revenue sport at the university of Michigan. Uh, and this is pretty, this is pretty much reflective of all the student athletes out there. And so you know, as, as Brett said, I mean, you're listening, you're saying like, I want a big deal. I want to sign something, but you know, Brett's going to Brett, Brett or any other business owner is going to say like, well, I need you to do these two or three things, uh, in order to, for me to make a payment in order for me to do those things. And if you can't do those things because of a time constraint, you know, we, we talked about this in the class and, and, and Jeff, like, I don't think it'll get to this, but at some point, I mean, these are contracts, right? And like, you could, yep. you could speak a little bit more to these, the idea of a contract and, uh, like there's an oral contract, but this is a written contract between two individuals. And when you have a written contract, there's an expectation on both sides. And if you, one side does not fulfill their end of the contract, that can lead to some issues. Absolutely. It's, it's a con it's a, it's business that is codified by the terms of the contract, the contract itself. So you're absolutely right. I mean, this is serious business ultimately. Now, you know, there might be a little bit of wiggle room here because the student athlete is a student athlete. It goes to the student athlete, goes to a university you love and support, you know, and want to do business with, uh, you know, there might be some of that, but in the end, in the end, especially for these, you know, kind of uh, local NIL deals, it, it's got to work. You know, it's got to work. You got to, you got to fulfill the contract. So it's just, there's a lot more going on here than, than you see. And like, here's, here's my biggest thing. And, and we can kind of wrap up a little bit here. It's like, to understand name, image, and likeness, it is not as simple as as someone saying like, "Well, we got to throw a lot of money at a problem," right? I mean, like I am, I read message boards, I read social media a lot, and schools, uh, you know, and, and I just, you know, Brett, you were listening to me, like school like Michigan is getting killed by fans for not being more proactive with name, image, and likeness. And then I say to people, well, "What are they doing?" Well, I don't know. Well, what what aren't they doing? I don't know that either. Well, what do you want them to do? Well, what everybody else is doing. Well, what is everybody else doing? Right. Something. <laughs> and it's like, well, what the hell are you talking? Like, what are you talking about? You don't even, you don't even have any, you have no talking points at all. And, and beyond that, like, they're just looking at the service level. Look what Brett just described in the, in this podcast episode here today, all the nuance, all the layers that are going on for business owners. Now, again, I think, and I think Brett represents 90% of these deals, right? Of course there's 10% that we will continue to talk about in future episodes, Jeff, about the pay for play, because yep. that is what yep. is happening yep. over and over again. And these people taking advantage of these rules. And Brett, I would ask you, you know, you said like, Hey, I'm running a small business. I'm not, I'm not a cash cow here, man. Like I'm not, I'm not going out there <laughs> in the whole thing. You're a gigantic Michigan football fan. 
if you sure. can just throw money at at a student athlete to get him to come to Michigan, uh, you know, I, I I mean, I imagine you wouldn't, but I think you'd be a little bit tempted. Like, hey, is this what it needs to happen? And that because that is happening across college football. <laughs> Boosters in a lot of different places are saying now it makes it legal for me to give young men and women money to attend my school. That's not what it's supposed to say, but there's a loophole there that allows them to do that. What are your thoughts on that? A hundred percent. And and you mentioned it, you know, when, when I was in your class the other day, I mean, there's so much out there that nobody knows and they're just, oh, yeah. there's so much hearsay. And you said perception is reality, all of those things. And, and I think the biggest thing that, you know, when you talk about these boosters, they have endless money and they're finding the loopholes right now to really enhance their programs. And they opened up an entire can of worms by doing that. Um, and there's no, there's no direct, um, you know, there's no direct correlation to, uh, you know, figuring out one way or the other if it's right or wrong. And, and I think when we look at, you know, the, the bigger players are different. You know, obviously the bigger businesses, um, you know, the, the larger scale opportunities are going to be more paramount. But taking a look at, you know, pay for play. If I had it and that was something I wanted to do, I, I mean, maybe I'd be intrigued to do it. Obviously, you know, I'm not sure. I, I don't. But looking at the entire landscape of that, I think, is a really, really crazy area right now that is only going to get crazier and I think is going to start changing the way that these college or high school athletes are picking where they're going to school. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's dead on. I think he's dead on. I think it's. As we talked about on on episode three, Jeff. I mean, it's seismic, man. Like I in in covering college athletics for twenty years, uh, you know, there have been a a few things that have changed the the game, and this might just be the absolute biggest. This was well, certainly one of them. Absolutely, this is certainly one of those things. Well, it's a really interesting show. You know, I think it'd be interesting, Michael, if we check back with Brett if he's willing from time to time to you know hear what other deals he's cutting and how they're going and so on. His thoughts on all this uh, as a business person. Uh, with the opportunity to uh, partake in the NIL uh, opportunity. I'd love to, and I'd love to get some more data and, and some more months under our belts and um, look at these opportunities, uh, you know, continue to look at them. And, and those are the, uh, those are the things I'd love to, you know, almost take a three, six, nine month, you know, look at and see how they're going and, and see what's worked, what hasn't, you know, what's enhanced and, and all those opportunities. So I think the final thing here, if I ask Brett, the athletes that you've signed, has it been worth it for you? And I think you might answer in two ways. I think you'd probably say ROI, return on investment, probably not. But from a learning perspective of like how to do this better, absolutely. You nailed it. That's that, absolutely right. And and I think uh, even as a fan, right, I'm, I'm a fan. And, and I like to, uh, it's probably more of a personal, passionate thing for me um, to look at these deals and really just learn about it. And, you know, asking you know, their agents and the people, their representatives and marketing firms, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about it because I think it's really interesting. But when you talk about the ROI aspect, um, you know, not quite there, but we're getting there and, and learning more about how we can enhance that and, and take a look at those opportunities in a different light. But yes, you're absolutely right. All right, Brett, thanks very much for, for joining us. Jeff, uh, future episodes, I know I want to get into, you know, this, uh, this idea that the state of Alabama wants to actually repeal its name, image, and likeness law that is in place. Uh, and, and in a very, what I consider, I don't know if it's dangerous because there's only 28 states right now that actually have a name, image, and likeness law. And in the other 22 states, uh, the colleges can just essentially create their own 
rules to follow. And now Alabama is essentially saying the same thing. The state of Alabama says, we're just going to let Alabama Crimson Tide and Auburn Tigers determine what they want to do with name, image, and likeness. Jeff, let me just a little preview of a future episode. Do you think there's any oh boy. issue if I just let <laughs> oh each university determine what they want to do with name, right. image, and likeness? Right. Interesting. And how that's going to impact how the games play out on the field, perhaps. Oh, my right? goodness. The can I mean, of worms that are just worms. being yeah. opened. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll talk about that on a future episode. All right. Right on. Brett, thanks. Really interesting and uh, pleasure doing the show with you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, great stuff. Back next week with another episode here on the NIL Report. If you're an athlete, if you're a business, if you're in the university environment, you're looking to understand what's happening in this space, join us each week here on the NIL Report.